In today's show, we're talking 2021 NBA Draft with Richard from the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are here again. This is the seventh NBA Draft Prospect Show. We're joined by the fourth different host of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. So let's bring him in right now. Richard Stamen of uh, of Locked On NBA Draft and of course Mavs Draft over on Twitter. Welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate you having me. Good to have you here, Richard. And we're going to talk six prospects in today's show. We're going to be back tomorrow with another six prospects. Let's start with a guy who is thought to be a lock as a top four pick, maybe a lock as a top three, maybe a lock as a top two pick. And that is Jalen Green, who played for the G League Ignite last season, 6'5 guard, averaged 18 points on 23% usage, really efficient stuff, great from the line, hit his threes well, good uh, good shooting overall, 1.5 steals are nice, 18 points per game, pretty solid. Um, where do you have Green? Do you think there's any chance that he can challenge you know, Cade as the number one pick? Do you have him as a lock for a top four? Like, what's your view on Jalen Green? Yeah, so I think Cade is still the lock at number one, but... I don't see Jalen Green going past the third pick. He's pretty much a lock to go top three, whether it's two or three. I personally have him number six on my board, uh, which I understand is a controversial take, but he's still in that tier, the same tier with Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga, and James Booknight. Yeah, you can you say that's that's a controversial take, but you know, I, I'll have controversial takes and I do draft stuff as well. And the thing to always remember is is that when we look back in a year, two years, three years, the order of who's the best player is definitely not the order in which they were drafted. And there's always going to be someone in the top three, another two guys in the top six, another three guys in the top 10 who turn out to be not very good or turn out to be not worth that selection. It could be Green. It could be Suggs. It could be Mobley. It could be Cunningham. Like, who knows? One of those four may not pan out. That's just the way that stuff happens in the draft. So, yeah, you have your reasons for that. Let's hear those reasons. So why aren't you quite as high on him? Why is he down at number six in that same tier? But why don't you have him sort of separating like those others? Yeah, so I think his jump shot is nice. It does need some work off the dribble. Uh, he also needs to get a little bit better as a ball handler. It's not it's not broken, but it's also definitely needing polish. I think it got hidden a little bit in the NBA G League. And then also his defense is just a little bit subpar, especially if he's going to be guarding wings. He's going to be struggling in that front. Do you think that there's there's a chance that those things, you know, how how high of a chance do you think those things are have a, of coming to fruition of him being a good defender? Because you know the steal rate's pretty good for the G League, but yeah, he's athletic. Does that always translate? Not necessarily. And yeah, you know, the passing and the ball handling. Can he become a guy that can run an NBA offense full time? Say like, yeah, you know, Bradley Beal came in as more of an off ball shooter. And now he's more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Is that? like upside type level for Green? Can he get to that level of a Beal where you don't want him to be a point guard, but if he is, uh, I think things still go okay. I don't think he will ever be a point guard. I think your best hope with him is being that secondary ball handler at times, but you probably want him to cr- be looking to create for himself first and for his teammates second. That's probably his best role. 
In terms of the shooting, he attempted almost six threes a game. He hit them at 37%. He hit his free throws at a high level. Um, I, I guess the concern I have with the free throws is the lack of attempts, like just not getting to the line. That, that's somewhat of a concern. Only two attempts per game when he uh, attempted almost 14 field goals. So that's a little bit of a concern. But is the three-point shooting real? Is he? Can he be a 37% guy? Or is he destined to be more of a, of a higher volume, lower percentage player? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. I mean, 37% was the league average this year from three in the NBA. So 37% is realistic. It's just more of a matter of win, I think, more than if. I don't know if he can ever be that volume guy at that percentage, though, like near 40%. Uh, that's kind of the question mark for him jumping into that top three value. What do you make of the low free throw attempts? Because he's insanely athletic. We know that. He hits his free throws as a high rate. So it's not like he's you know, Rajan Ronding or, or Ben Simmons is in it and just like I'm not getting there because he can't hit them. You know, why is the free throw attempt rate so low? Is he just not putting enough pressure on the rim? Is he settling for shots that obviously went in? But because you know, we want these guys to be these you know, lead ball handlers, to be seven, eight free throw attempts per game in their first three to four years to push up to that. And you know, two attempts per game is a pretty low number. Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. One, he's great at finishing around rim protectors and almost too good at it where I think he was a little bit scared of contact to you know, challenge those rim protectors and meet him at the rim, even though he could win with his athleticism. He didn't always do it. But the other thing is, I know this is uh, more of a theoretical thing, but the G League changed the process this year where it was one free throw for two shots, and that might be what it could be. So it might be like up to really four, I guess, if you think about it, which isn't terrible but i guess that would be more closer to the number of trips he had to the line which is still underwhelming yeah, okay I, I actually forgot that rule in the g league so that is that is in uh, important to know and what you said about being too good of a finisher that bring now i'm not saying these guys are the same player because they're not but that brings me memories of early career derrick rose who would wouldn't draw free throws because he would just be able to get around those guys way too easily and he would make it his mission to not actually draw it, to just try and avoid everything, and therefore he wouldn't get, wouldn't take the free throws. Eventually, that changed in his career a few years in, and we saw the free throw attempt rate go up. So maybe there's a little bit of that, a little bit of Derrick Rose there. Is there a player that you can compare his game to in the NBA? It's hard to find a true comparison for him. Um, really, I mean, his role is, I would say, just a athletic potential three and D guy. I mean. Imagine, I, I guess the best way I could put it is the theoretical comparison of what was Gerald Green supposed to be? I hate using the last name Green. I didn't even realize what I did there. But you imagine what Gerald Green could have been. You know, he was a freak athlete when he came into the league, pretty raw. Um, if you kind of were high on him, then you should be high on him now. Okay. And I know there's better comparisons, but something like that. I mean, they're very similar wings. All right. Let's uh, actually, before we move on to talk about the next player. Richard, I've got to ask you a question. Do you ever look to fix your own car? Or are you like me and just completely useless at it? Useless. Yes, exactly. But if you are someone, one of those people who is a do-it-yourselfer, Rock Auto is the place for you to go. With ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts you need. Why would you endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. And why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. 
Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. Let's go on to the next player on our list here. And this is a guy that you know, some people may not have even heard of, to be honest. And that is, now I'm going to mispronounce this, I reckon. Roko Prokasin. What was that? You want me to do it for no, you? I, I'm going to have a go and you can grade it because I need to learn this. It's, it's Roko Prokasin. Very close. It's uh, Roko Prokachin. Very Prokachin. close, though. Prokachin. Okay, all right. So let's talk about uh, Prakachin. Then he is a 6'9 forward who is extraordinarily young still. He's only 18. Um, you know, so some of these guys coming out, Cunningham, Mobley, they're 20 already. He's 18. He played for Sabona over in Europe, averaged 13 points with seven boards, 50% from the field, a troublingly low 62% from the line, but 25% usage. Um, even looking at that picture in there, you can see how young he actually looks. He, I, I don't know how best to describe him. He's a guy where you look at him and go, okay, he's a, he's a white guy, European shooter, but he's not, is he? Like that's, that's not what his game is. Right. So I think actually his shooting is probably the biggest area of uh, improvement for him because his jump shot follow through is just not very clean. So when that improves, his upside is going to be limitless. You can tell by the two assists a game and the European stats don't get to, you know, show off all these guys' full skill sets like a lot of the American programs do. But I think, you know, he's got great passing feel, can really understand pick and rolls and passing angles in general. And he's just really versatile. He can guard fives, a little bit difficult to, for him to guard some post-minded fives, but he's got the ability to play the whole front court on both ends. He's also a pretty explosive player. Um, well, seven rebounds as a 6'9 forward is not a bad number in Europe, playing just 26 minutes a night. Good finishing numbers, but he's got some real bounce, got some real pop and, and explosion as well. So he's not a, a, you're not a slow-footed player, I, I guess. Yeah, no, he's got decent lateral quickness. It's enough to pass by in the league, so that's not really too much of an area of concern. So what's his best position in the NBA? Is it playing as a four? Is it... Is it more of a wing? Like what's what's his sort of positional versatility? I think you play him at power forward and you either move him up in the lineup or you keep him at that power forward so he can play, be a small ball five or just play perfectly next to another big man and get the big man some easy buckets and even help him on the defensive end. So is he a guy that you know, we have any confidence in that shot coming along? Like it's obviously not quite there now, just the 30-odd percent three-point shooter. Do we have confidence in that? Or is that low free throw percentage, you know, not necessarily a nail in the coffin, but not not a great sign at this stage? So my biggest concern with him and his shot is that his hand placement's very awkward. It's never consistent. It's sometimes on the right side of the ball, sometimes in the middle, and sometimes on the left, which is just not like one as a shooter. And he needs to speed up his jump shot. He can't shoot over contests. So I think those are two areas where he really has to make a lot of strides to improve in that front. So his number one skill, would you say it's his passing? I would say it's his passing and just overall basketball IQ, honestly. Okay, so it's just sort of one of those guys that, again, just plays winning basketball, makes the right play, but has that you know, shooting deficit. Like, where would you, you know, when I look at a guy like that who's got this you know, basketball IQ and, and winning play type mentality, obviously this guy's not the same defender um, as, as who I'm going to talk about. But in terms of comparing him to, say, a, a Scotty Barnes, is that like IQ level and passing? Is he, like, how far behind Barnes is he there? 
he's pretty close. He's pretty close. I wish I could do draft cross like comparisons in this draft because he is very similar to Franz Wagner if he had a jump shot. Okay, so yeah, so that, that, that's interesting because all those guys are in like you. Know, Barnes has been talked about maybe as a top, we're going to talk about Scotty Barnes tomorrow as a top five, top six type pick, and you've got Wagner as a top ten guy with Prokation not quite at that at that level, but you know if you are falling into that back end teens is probably the right spot to get. Him. Is that the, the area you think that he should be drafted? Yeah, I think he's looking at like eighteen to anywhere late twenties. I don't see him lasting to thirty though. I, I would be pretty shocked if he if he lasted to thirty personally. In my, uh, I'm just going to go back and check. Uh, in my last mock where I had him, because I think I had him, uh, yeah, where is it? Yeah, I had him at the actually at number 14, so I, I jumped him up a little bit into that uh, into that last mock draft, which I'm really doubtful he goes that high, but there is some real um, ability. Is he ever got that, do you think he's got that upside to be fringe all-star, sub all-star level, or will he just be you know, just a really useful, solid player? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a reliable rotation player is the realistic outcome. Let's go on to the next guy, and we're going to move to a uh, an American player this time. We're going to look at Trey Murphy out of uh, out of Virginia. Um, 6'9", Murphy, um, a, a guy that you know, played, he played for, he began at Rice, didn't he? Yep, yeah, transferred into Virginia from Rice. Yeah, so three-year college player. Trey Murphy, um, now playing for Virginia, will play for Virginia last year. 30 minutes a game. He averaged 11 points. He hit two threes at 43%, and he's over 40% in his college career across those three seasons. He hit 93% of his free throws as well. Really low usage guy. Um, and 11 and three with one assist and 0.8 steals. They're pretty low numbers, but as a shooter, he is you know, right up there in this class. Like, is he a top three shooter in this class? Yeah, I mean, he almost has to be, right? 50, 40, 90 in college is just so unprecedented that even though he does have like some weird form and potentially issues shooting off the dribble, he's still a top three shooter in the class just from how lethal he is as a standstill shooter. And he's and he's big. Like he's six foot nine, yeah. which as a guy that's a guard with a big wingspan, like that's obviously the ability to get shots off over a bunch of these smaller players that, that, are, that are playing him. Is he likely to play more as a three though in the NBA? Yeah, I think you put him as a small forward and depending on the lineup, you can probably move him into a small ball four and then even probably can guard regular fours, to be honest. And then, you know, you can play him down to shooting guards if for whatever reason you need to go bigger and have more shooting. He can play pretty much two through four. Has he got any ability to handle the ball or to pass or to you know, to make basic reads or anything like that? Or is he just really a, just a, a shooter at this point? I think he's mostly a shooter. He's almost a liability when he puts the ball on the floor, which is a concern. Um, I think you just want him out there to be as a gravity guy, like where the teams just have to respect him off ball. So he's got the the measurements to be a good defender. He has seven foot wingspan, six nine. You're potentially guarding some smaller players or, or wings or guarding up to the four. Is he a good defender? Yeah, outstanding defender. Definitely a three and D guy. He's going to be able to guard multiple positions and he's got the athleticism to stick with wings. So we talk about him being this elite shooter, this guy that can defend multiple positions, a bit of a downside in terms of ball handling and and passing and that sort of stuff. But so talk about that player. That to me, it sounds like a a top 12, top 15 sort of a guy, but he probably won't go in that area. So what would be holding, holding him back from being that higher draft pick? Because that level of shooting... 
paired with defensive ability is something that all NBA teams are looking for, really. I think it speaks volumes to the depth of this class. You know, this class has a lot of guys that you could say the top 20 are probably almost all lottery level talents any other year. If you put him in last year's class, he's safely a lottery pick. But the limit, limited, you know, shooting and defense is kind of what he's going to do. I think it's going to scare teams off and um, want, as they want, you know, these high ceiling guys, he just isn't that. Because he is, uh, to what, 21, I think now? He's at three years in college. Um, he's still got some of that development. But can can he come in? Like, I know it's a, it's a trope to say that, you know, three- and four-year college players are NBA-ready, but is he NBA-ready? Because lots of those guys are nowhere near NBA-ready. But is he NBA-ready? I think it, his transition is actually even easier just because of how little he does outside of the two things he does at such a high level. So I would say he's NBA-ready for sure. Yeah, that's the impression I get. A guy that can come in, um, maybe like compared to a couple of years ago, say like a Cam Johnson, an, an older shooting player. Like, where do you view him there? Because Johnson was able to come in and have somewhat of an impact straight away. Um, is he at that sort of level? I think he could be. You know, Cam Johnson improved a lot as a defender from college to the NBA, which is something not a lot of people saw coming. So. If Cam Johnson can do that, and he's also improved some of his passing, and he was 24 when he came into yep. the league. So I think if Cam Johnson can do it, there's no reason to believe that Trey Murphy can't. And that's actually a good comparison for him. Let's, uh, before we move on to the next player, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because that is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of that action over at Bet Online and get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. So before that next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to use our promo code LOCKED ON and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Well, speaking about Cam Johnson being 24, let's talk about Chris Duarte, who is a 24-year-old guard, 6'6 out of Oregon, averaged 17 points per game, two and a half threes per game, average almost five boards, shot Amazingly, we talk about great shooters here. 53% from the field, 81 from the line, a 66% true shooting. He hit 42% of his threes. Is Murphy or Duarte a better shooter? That's a tough question. I think I go Chris Duarte just because he can shoot off the dribble a lot better. So, you know, at 6'6, he's got decent size. Yeah, that obviously the shooting's fantastic. And you're mentioning yeah, shooting off the dribble, a pull-up threes is one of the skills that's so hard to develop and be a good shooter in that area. But in the NBA, like, is he a guy that you will put the ball in his hands? Like, will he be ever a guy that runs as a, as a point guard or is he going to be a strictly off-ball sort of a player? Probably primarily off-ball, but he's also going to be that guy who you – can trust him to handle the ball. It's just he's not the first option to run the offense, but he's capable of doing it. Has he got starter upside? I think he does just because of what he brings to the table. You know, that basketball IQ, he can finish at the rim, three-level scoring, and defense. I mean, his defense is probably one of the better traits for any guard in the class. He forces turnovers. He can stay in front of his man despite being a limited athlete. So there's a lot that he brings to the table that it just adds to winning basketball and that makes him a starting caliber player. So if we're going to yeah, nitpick here, well, not necessarily nitpick, but like he had a circuitous route, I guess, to, guess, to getting here, played with Northwest Florida State College for two years. And even last year at Oregon, um, only shot 34% from three. 
So is this a case of a an outlier shooting season? I, I don't think it is, but you know, that junior year shooting is a little bit troublesome and he hit under 80% from the line that season. The fact that he is 24 and you know, he's going up against 18 and 19-year-olds and, and dominating there, whereas in previous seasons he wasn't quite at that level, is that... That, that gives some warning bells to me, some slight red flags. Is that a concern to you that you know, really it came as he was you know, 24 that he was able to put up these numbers? It doesn't worry me too much. I'm pretty sure I think last year, the 2019-20 season, was the first year the NCAA extended the line. They moved it back a little bit. Yep. So I think that could have been an issue for him, and then he just adapted this year. I think that's probably more likely the case. So I'm not too worried about it being an outlier. His form is good, so... Nothing too concerning. He feels like he's going to be a first-round pick, Duarte, in most situations, going to one of those teams in the 20s who, who need players to come in and be shooters, the Clippers, the Lakers, their names that really seem to stand out. Is that the area you've got him in the draft in that, say, 20 to 26 type area? So I actually think he could go before pick 20 just because you know he, he sat out the combine, which usually means he gets a promise. I could see him going in right after the lottery, 15 to 20. Okay, so the, the teams we're looking at there, you got the Wizards, the, you wouldn't go to the Thunder, but maybe Memphis, maybe the Knicks in that area, the Hawks perhaps? The Hawks would be an outstanding fit. I mean, that's probably the best guy to make up for Trey Young's defense, for example. Yeah, and like their yeah, point guard depth, who knows what happens with Lou Williams yeah. there, um, yeah, getting someone into to be that backup point guard. It's a, it's a pretty interesting situation if he was able to uh, to find himself there. Um, you say defense, can he guard you know, multiple positions? I think he's probably pretty limited to ones and twos, maybe some threes, but you're probably wanting him on shooting guards and point guards. All right, so let's move now on to the next guy on our list for this show, and we're looking at Aaron Henry, a 6'6 forward, 21 years of age, from Michigan State. He averaged 15 points per game. He hit about a three per game. He had really good steal and block numbers. Overall efficiency, not particularly good. 52 true shooting, 27% usage for Aaron Henry. Again, played three years in college and really did step it up this season. But unfortunately, he went from a 39% shooter from three as a freshman down to a 30% shooter as a junior. Uh, improved his free throws over that time. But you know, which one's the real Aaron Henry? Is it the guy that can hit them at a decent to average rate or someone who struggled significantly like this season? Yeah, I think the jump shot is probably something I'm more down on than most people on draft Twitter. I don't think he necessarily needs it, though. He's not probably going to be league average ever from three in his career. I'd, I'd be a little bit surprised. But he's so athletic and runs a pick and roll for a wing. Those are very like needed traits. And he's a high IQ, skilled defender. And he, you know, he needs to finish at the rim. But I think having that combination keeps you in the league as a rotation player. You need a stopper on the wings at all times. I don't see why he can't get better as, you know, even if he's just slightly below average as a shooter, I think that really helps given his skill set. Yeah, so what he is is, is that you know, high-level defender who handles the ball. You, ever, you probably don't ever want him to be the guy that you know is running everything on your offense, but... Um, I, I guess if we go back to Atlanta again, the way that they use Kevin Herter at times as that sort of wing ball handler creator, obviously Henry is projecting to be a better defender than what Herter is and a significantly worse shooter just in terms of ball handling and yeah, creation out on the wing. He can be that guy. Is, is there any, would you have him as a first round grade? Is he more of a second rounder? I would take him early second, but that's not really a knock on him again, just kind of the depth of this class where there's safer picks and, you know, it's hard to take a wing without a jump shot, a reliable jump shot. So that is going to knock him down. 
Yeah, that, that is interesting. And that, that's always the case is the further you go down the draft, there's always these red flags or big holes in the game that, that you do worry about. And you know, getting that shot right, look, you'd hope he can get back to his freshman numbers, although that was on such limited attempts, like one three per game. So it's really hard to, you know, you read too much of that. He only took 39 attempts in a, in that freshman year, whereas he was 90 and 81 in each of the each of the, the last two seasons after that. So that is uh, a level of concern. And then the last guy we're going to talk about now, on today's show, we're going back over to Europe and, I don't know, I'm, let's try my pronunciation on this one. I've never heard this one said out loud. Johan Begaren from, uh, that's, is that good? That That's good. Awesome. 6'5 guard, 18 years of age, played for Paris over in Europe, uh, averaged 12 points, three and a half boards, three assists, Poor free throw shooting, overall 55% true shooting, yeah, good uh, athleticism as a guard. Tell us a little bit about Bagaran. Yeah, so he's a power guard. He gets to his spots. He can create his shot, loves the behind-the-back step back. Um, but he does need to improve his shooting. You know, the free throw percentage is low. I think he shot in the mid-20s for the year uh, as a three-point shooter. So really needs to get better at that and just improving his turnovers. He, he throws a lot of passes away because he goes for those home run plays. So if he tones it down and plays under control a little bit more, it's going to come together for him. He actually, this year, he stepped it up to 34% from three. He was at 29 last season, so and 22 the year before that. So, you know, obviously, well, 21 the year before that. So, obviously, he's had some absolutely shit-ass shooting performances. Um, but this year, was able to step it up a little bit. But the fact that he's such a bad free-throw shooter as well makes you think that perhaps the three-point shooting this year isn't 100% real. Is he a draftable prospect? I think you take him in the second round, especially if you're trying to save money and you don't need him to come over right away. Let him stay over in Paris and see what he can do because he's so young. And as he continues to refine those turnovers, I think that's probably the first step for him. That's going to go a long way in developing him in the NBA. So is he is he a two or a, or a one or, or a three even? I have him as a combo guard. Okay. So he's got the size. He's 6'5". Um, it's a... We talk about European assist numbers. He averaged almost three per game as an 18-year-old in the French League, which is a pretty good number. So what is that passing like? Can he run pick and roll? Yeah, he's pretty good at running the pick and roll. His biggest issue is just not becoming predictable. Uh, He sometimes can make it very clear where he's going out of the pick and roll, but he has the right idea. He just telegraphs it. He stares his man down, things like that. And I think as he uses his eyes a little bit better to deflect the defenders, That'll go a long way. Like that's a simple first step into fixing that. So yeah, again, more of a prospect sort of guy that you're probably going to stay in Europe for a couple of years. But someone interesting with that level of athleticism and some passing acumen there, but you know, working on that shot is going to be key. And let's see if he can continue the, the upward trend that we saw from Bagaran this year, where he did take that three point shooting up a little bit. Richard, we'll leave it there for today's show. Tell everybody where they can find you, your podcast, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I do Locked On NBA Draft every Tuesday. I do audio scouting reports on top of the written scouting reports I've been doing at Mavs Draft on Twitter. So go and follow Richard over there, but make sure you are also subscribing to the Locked On NBA Draft show. Also, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. But if you're here on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, give it a thumbs up, leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.